You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Lost Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the BC Powerhouse podcast. This is our 53rd podcast. My name is Thomas Bendit. I am the BT Powerhouse Manager. <laughs> and uh, exciting time in the Big Ten. I know I say that a lot, but truly it uh, it really is. Um, just a fantastic week, not only at the top, but at the bottom, really across the conference. And we're setting up for... Uh, you know, Big Ten play, it has those four or five weekends of the conference slate where, you know, just coming in, it's going to be a huge weekend. And that that's what this is. Um, on Saturday, you have uh, Maryland at Michigan State, college game days there, massive matchup. Um, I know Michigan State's probably going to fall in the polls on, on Monday after losing earlier this week, uh, which we'll talk about later. But um that's like what number three or number four versus number 11, you know, quasi top 11, top 10 ish matchup. Um, and on Sunday, another massive game with, excuse me, um, Purdue traveling to face Iowa. Um, Iowa has been playing exceptionally well over the last few weeks. The Hawkeyes are still undefeated. They have wins over some really solid teams in the Big Ten. Um, they have a couple really good road wins, uh, sort of just taking care of business. And, you know, they're up. They're in the top five of Ken Palm now. They they really look like they might be shaping into a, a national championship contender. I know that's early to say, but, but Iowa playing well. And Purdue comes in, you know, on paper, I guess first glance, you would think, oh, you know, Iowa's playing at home, Purdue's coming in. But in the first game, Iowa did win but they were down massively uh, with about 10 minutes to go or so. And they just started this run um, where they just pushed all the way back and ended up winning um, with their pressure um, and and really pushing the ball down the court. But um, in that game, just to provide a little perspective about that, uh, that last matchup, Purdue actually got the odds to like 97% to win according to Ken Palm with about 15 minutes to go. Um, They were about 96 or so with about uh, 11 and a half minutes to go. I, I know a lot of people hate the, the in-game Ken Palm odds, so to speak, but um, I think that's, those speak for themselves when you're asking about, you know, how big of a comeback it was. So long story short, uh, Iowa will definitely be favored this weekend, but there's a lot of intrigue given the fact that they had to use such a big comeback um, in the in the first game between Iowa and Purdue. But like I said, those those are the two massive ones. But but even beyond that, you actually get some some intriguing games. Northwestern goes to Indiana, you know, where the Wildcats pushed Maryland to overtime earlier this week. Indiana still undefeated in Big Ten play and. Um, I was writing about this for another site uh, last night, but 
one of the most intriguing games of the entire weekend, which surprisingly uh, <laughs> nobody's talking about, is Michigan traveling to Nebraska. And I understand, you know, name-wise, that may not look like a huge game, but, you know, Michigan's starting to get itself in a position to to sort of make a run in the Big Ten. You know, I'm not saying to win the title or something like that, but to really finish high. And Nebraska's coming off. What, they got a four-game winning streak. Three of those are road wins. They just beat Michigan State. Um, so really, you sort of have two teams colliding uh, on Saturday. Uh, Nebraska does host the game, but I think I really think that's a game that could really determine which team can make a run uh, over the next month or so. I know that might be a little <laughs> uh, exaggerating a little bit there, but. Um, you know, Nebraska is probably out of the NCAA tournament contention, but they can still make an NIT, which would be a, a solid year for that program. And Michigan, you know, I, I don't want to get too in-depth on this, but um, they have a very, I don't want to say manageable because there are really tough games, but it's a it's a relatively manageable play. <laughs> like I said, I, I don't like to use that term, you know, when you have to play you know, Michigan State at home and Indiana at home, you know, because those are not even close to guaranteed wins. But if you if you buy into Ken Palm, which, again, I know, uh, not a perfect system, um, after this Nebraska game for Michigan, they're favored in their next five games. Um, now, granted, the Michigan State game, they're you know, 51% favorite, so <laughs> very close. Then they get Purdue at home where they are a slight underdog, and then they are a extremely slight underdog on the road against Ohio State. Um, so realistically, if Michigan finds a way to win at Nebraska, it's not improbable for Michigan to win the next eight games. Is it extremely unlikely? Yes, because, you know, as we know, you flip a coin, even if you have 50% odds, you you know, 75% odds, you're going to probably lose one of those times. Um, but it's not unthinkable that they did it if they get through this Nebraska game, um, which, and even if they don't, I think they're set up to make a big run and really move up in the standings, especially with some of these other teams sort of duking it out <laughs> with one another. But this is a tricky game, tricky road game. Um, Nebraska's playing well. And, you know, for Michigan, they sort of have all the, the consistent Karis LeVert injury questions. But, um, but with that, I, I think we got through the the main going-ons uh, in the Big Ten and, and what's coming up this weekend. But the big the big thing we wanted to tackle in today's podcast was um, what is wrong with Michigan State? And to uh, to help us do that, we have our uh, our friend Adam Biggers over from Today's U. Uh, Adam, how's it going? I'm doing well, Thomas. Thanks for having me today. <laughs> no problem, no problem. So um, we did chat a little bit about Michigan State. They're sort of on a, a pretty rough run uh, for the Spartans. Uh, what has been going on? <laughs> it, you know, that's that's the big question. And yesterday um, when Tom Nizzo met with us, he he's he's not worried. There's not a, there's not a, a sense of panic with him or, or anything like that. He is disappointed, and, and I would even say that he's a bit angry because, I mean, you look at the way the Michigan State lost at, uh, lost at home to Iowa. That was just 
it was an embarrassment. It really was. And then the consecutive one-point losses to Wisconsin and Nebraska, and I know losses are losses. Michigan State was in there for both of those. Uh, they, they really came down to, like, one defensive stop at the end, both teams. I mean, Denzel – uh, had the opportunity. Denzel Valentine had the opportunity to win the game uh, against Nebraska, missed the missed the shot. But that that's kind of how it crumbled for Michigan State. There were defensive lapses. The, uh, Matt Costello told me they were just making stupid mistakes. I mean, it's a, it really is. It's a sense of that they they know two of these three losses. Uh, I don't want to say that you know were gift wrap for the other team, but they definitely took themselves out of position to win that. And uh, not, you know, and everybody's not taking credit away from Wisconsin or Nebraska. I mean, if you, ask, you ask any of the guys, you ask Gizzo, um, definitely respect what both teams were able to do. But they, realistically, they know that those are two games that they should have won. And this is the first time that they've lost three consecutive Big Ten games um, since the 12-13 season. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's something that a lot of those guys haven't experienced before. None of them, really, except I believe Costello's freshman year. But other than that, you know, not a lot of guys have been through something like this. So it's um, to to say to answer what is wrong with Michigan State. I mean, give me a checklist and we can go down it because there, there's a lot more than just one thing. Okay, and let, let's talk about the the big guy. I know me and you had chatted about him uh, earlier this week, but Denzel Valentine. I know, uh, you know, they get up to 13-0. and 0. Um, Denzel goes out, you know, before that Oakland game. But um, he's out. They go on the road to Iowa. Everyone just kind of pushes it aside because, well, you know, they didn't have Valentine. Um, now he's been back, and things haven't exactly turned around too much. Uh, do you think he's back at 100%? Do you think there's some issue with him kind of getting in the rhythm? or uh, Or is it just, you know, they're not playing well right now? Well, I mean, if you, I mean, he he was back to himself for a little bit. I guess he saw that circus shot against uh, Nebraska, that where he kind of dipped down and just threw it up and found some glass and went in. That that's <laughs> Denzel Valentine uh, back, and that's that's a lot of luck as well. Um, I don't think that he's a hundred percent back, and I, I don't know how long it's going to take. He did have ice on his knee yesterday, his left knee. He had that uh, loose cartilage removed a few weeks ago. And I believe this will be his fifth game back, sixth game back. So we'll, it, it's really it's really a thing with him. I don't know if it's necessarily about uh, like confidence or anything, or maybe if he's not, you know, maybe if he's worried about it in the back of his mind. But I do sense that his mobility isn't all the way there. I think, uh, you know, that's evident kind of if you watch him backpedal a little, a little bit. Some of his lateral movement isn't as quick, and I think that's probably to be expected after you have any kind of knee surgery. It's um, with, with Denzel, he has to be at his peak for Michigan State to be at its peak. But at the same time, there is enough talent there to where he doesn't have to do everything every night. But that was beforehand. That was before uh, the second part to this equation, Thomas, and it's these injuries. It's, I mean, we've talked a lot about how Michigan – um, has had injuries, and Michigan has found ways to move past it. Uh, right now, Michigan State's kind of in that boat. I mean, you look at Tum Tum, he, he's out for who knows how long. Uh, hopefully, he said that he'd like to get back this season. Um, but then Matt Costello ha- having foot problems as well, and we don't know exactly what, uh, you know, is – I'm slipping up here. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> 
God, the, who who else is injured? <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Matt Costello. I'm sorry, we don't know the status of Matt Costello's foot and, and Tom Tom being the the big one there. And and of course, like you mentioned, Denzel Valentine. How long is it going to take him to get back to 100? percent Those are three uh, of the biggest pieces on the team, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that's the next thing I kind of wanted to get to with with Tom Tom. I uh, personally, I kind of have mixed thoughts on him. You know, I. I kind of view him as a ceiling player where, you know, he can do some things really well, but, you know, he doesn't really have a great shot. He doesn't have certain parts of his game. But um, but clearly he does contribute. He does play for Michigan State, so there's no denying that, that you know, he's a part of that rotation. Um, he's been out, you know, as you mentioned, for the, the last couple of games. How how have you kind of gauged the, the replacements? I know McQuaid is kind of factored in. Um, have they replaced him well, or is it just one of those things where – uh, you just kind of have to bite the bullet for the the next you know maybe month or so or or however long this goes. It it might be a little bit of both. Um, Izzo is very confident in Matt McQuaid, and, and and for a freshman, Matt's really developing into a, a terrific defender. He really is. I think that's probably his best attribute, other than that he is also one of the team's best shooters. Defensively, though, um, McQuaid is 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 coming along and I think you know the you give him more time he gets stronger he gets more used to the college game uh, it's not a huge drop off defensively although Tom Tom is a is a great defender so you know don't don't get me wrong there that Michigan State is is missing uh one of its best defenders but it's not a huge drop off with McQuaid uh McQuaid does add you know getting those minutes McQuaid adds something that Tom Tom doesn't and you hit it with He's not that great of a shooter, you know. Tom Tom's not a scorer. He's a, he's an assist man. He's he's a defender. Matt McQuaid can do a little bit of everything. He's got the height. He could shoot over guys on the perimeter. Great three point shooter. He can drive a little bit too. Um, you know, don't let the baby face fool you. He is an aggressive player. He will drive uh, when he sees the opportunity. So that's that's kind of what they're going through right now. But really, lineup wise, Izzo's flipping stuff around, shifting it back and forth. It's it's almost hard to kind of even think who's going to be uh, playing together at for extended periods of time, and and he mentioned that uh, the other I believe it was after the Wisconsin loss about you know these guys aren't playing these it's not that uh you know maybe the talent or whatever isn't there or it's just these guys aren't all playing with each other at the same time and now they're kind of being forced to whereas he thought that he had the lineup uh, figured out. And of course, with the injuries and and you know guys not performing as expected, he's forced to re- uh, to rethink a few things. Okay, let's let's flip it to the other side, um, so we don't scare off all the all our Spartan listeners. Um, let's talk about some positives <laughs> for Michigan State. Yeah, and you it know, is I'll... it is only January as well. I know it sounds doom and gloom a little bit, but <laughs> I mean, when when it's a team with national title expectations. And it loses three in a row and two one-point losses to teams that it really should beat. There, I mean, there is a there is a cause for concern a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and one of the bright spots, or at least compared to expectations, I, I should say, uh, has been Deontay Davis. You know, he's starting to kind of develop some legitimate draft hype. I know some people have talked about potential one and done. I don't know if he's even thinking about that yet, but. Um, what have you made of Davis so far this year, and how good do you think he can be by season's end? I think he can be really good. I've I've always maintained that I that I thought that Deontay Davis would develop into a star, and 
And that, you know, there, if you're a Spartans fan, that, that's a scary thing, I think, that you don't want to hear the one and done because now are you thinking, okay, well, in the back of his mind, is he already gone? Is, you know, is, are, are we people not going to see the peak Deontay Davis? Uh, how much of, of him are they going to see? I, I think those would be legitimate questions when you start. Because if you gauge kind of what he's done to what he could do, um, I'm not saying that he's holding back, but I'm saying that he hasn't been uh, completely unleashed yet. And Tom has always talked about that. I think I think that Deontay Davis is the guy that you want to have touch the ball almost every possession. I mean, I think that he's a guy who can go inside. We, you've seen his athleticism around the rim. You've seen the way that he's able to block shots and rebound. I, he really is a rare talent. And I, as I just said that Denzel Valentine has to be at his peak in order for Michigan State to achieve its peak. But at the same time, if he isn't, it's a guy like Deontay Davis who could step in there. I mean, we've, we've seen tournaments dominated by guards. Michigan State has the guards. You couple that with a team that can really do something inside, and Deontay is that type of player. That's what can make Michigan State dangerous. That's what I like about Deontay Davis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think he's a guy that you just see so much raw potential. And, uh, man, if he gets going and kind of takes a little of that pressure off Valentine, I think uh, I think Michigan State can do, can do some big things. Um, but, yeah, let, let's jump into – some of the the next couple of games here, you know, Michigan State, they have a pretty challenging schedule to say the least over the next uh, couple of weeks. Um, they're at home against Maryland, on the road against Northwestern. They get a, a virtual buy against Rutgers after that, and then um, on the road at Michigan and Purdue. Um, what do you make of the schedule? Uh, can Michigan State sort of get back on track with these games? Um, and particularly, what do you think is going to go down on, on Saturday with a big game against Maryland? Denzel Valentine told me, and let me put it in context, I asked him if this was one of the more important or maybe even the most important regular season game of his career. And he said, yeah. He said it's like a championship game. It's, uh, it's, it's, I think that these guys are really looking at, I asked Gavin Schilling if he thought it was a turning point game. It has to be for these guys, Thomas. I think you mentioned the Michigan game. Uh, February 6th, I'd say Michigan State has to go 3-1, and one, and, I'd, and I'd have the one loss to Maryland uh, just because it is Maryland. I'll, I'll, I'll get into it in a second here, but with with the stretch coming up, you mentioned Rutgers. I mean, that, I mean if you can't pencil that in as a win, at least, then there's a, there's a major issue here. <laughs> but Michigan State's really got to figure out itself right now, and, and you mentioned Going to Michigan is the only meeting of the year. That's going to be a big game for both sides because Michigan's surging right now. Um, you know, it's not blowing away people statistically, but I think there is a lot to like about Michigan basketball right now. Um, as where Michigan State basketball, there are things that are are pulling it down at this point. So you got to you got to look at it from a standpoint like this. This stretch of the next four games has to be get right session. There is no other option. Get it, get it right because you go to Michigan and you don't play your best and lose. I mean, and then going playing Purdue, that that's a rough. That's really rough, and especially with those three games. I mean, you got to kind of just factor everything in. Look at January uh, as a whole. How do you want to finish January and how do you want to hit February? Because then there's really no looking back once we start looking at February. The the time for mistakes uh, is almost zero. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. When you're, when you're three and four, when you're three and four, yeah. let me <laughs> say it. When you're three and four in the league, the time for mistakes is zero in February. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, obviously this matchup with Maryland, I think, is massive for a multitude of reasons. You know, um, uh, I'll talk about maybe later, you know, what it means for Maryland. But for Michigan State, uh, you know, they need that bounce back win. This is their biggest home game, I would say, uh, by a decent measure, at least in my opinion. Um, and really, you know, you don't want to go on the road, have two kind of, I don't want to call them, you know, gimme games because Northwestern pretty talented team, but, um, you know, those two games you should win. I assume Michigan state will expect the win going in. And, you know, if you go in with a four game losing streak to those games, I, I don't think that's good for anyone. Um, but, uh, you know, and then they need, you know, as you mentioned, the two road games at Michigan and Purdue are, those are going to be really tough. So. I think this is a huge game for them to kind of get back in the, in the mix here. But, um, but yeah, spinning off of that, um, you know, you mentioned the three and four in the big 10, you know, obviously they're kind of looking up at a, a decent amount of teams in the standings right now. Um, before big 10 play, it seemed like Michigan state was a, a, a lock to at least be in the race for the big 10 title. As of now, you know, there are people who saying they're already out. Um, do you fall into the, the first camp? Can they come back and sort of make some noise? Or is, is it too little too late uh, with the four losses already? They lose to Maryland. That's done. That, I mean, that's this, 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 Saturday is the last the last gasp at, at even trying to think of winning the Big Ten regular season. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't see – when we look at the, the top of the league, I mean, in, in years past, I mean, we've seen – you know, thirteen and five. Um, I don't. I, I don't know if there was ever. I'd have to look at some of the stats. I don't know if twelve and six, but I know thirteen and five has won the Big Ten. So that's kind of the mark right there. You get, you you hit five losses. I think you're, and with and with the upcoming schedule, I think Michigan State's done. Mm-hmm. So I think in in those terms, um, then yeah, I fall in the Michigan State's out camp. But I'm gonna <laughs> reserve the decision, you know, until after Saturday. But yeah, lost to Maryland and and they're out. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. You know, you hate to say it in January, especially for a team, you know, as talented as Michigan State, but I I don't know how you get around it. I mean, uh, (laughs) you have four losses, you know, as you mentioned, 13 and five is is kind of the quasi measure, you know, to be in the in the race. Typically, Um, I was still undefeated. Indiana still undefeated. I I don't think the Hoosiers will, will last much longer undefeated, but you know, we'll see. And, uh, Michigan State has plenty of tough games still coming up. So now I think this definitely is the last to have any realistic shot. I mean, you definitely have to win. Um, and even then, it's it's a long shot. But uh, but with yeah, that, you, and um, then at that point, you have to hope you have to hope for help, you know, from other teams. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and and that's one of the things you know I I did want to talk about you uh, talk to you about it for a a, a little bit because um, I know you also cover Michigan, but um. The, the top, I, I do feel, is going to kind of battle each other a little bit this year and beat up on each other. But, um, you know, five losses might be a little bit too much to, to even uh, hope for too much help. But, uh, but yeah, that, that was one of the other things I, I did want to jump to real quick before, before you take off. You know, I was talking about uh, it before you came on, but Michigan has a relatively favorable schedule coming up here. Um, 
I know they have knocked off Maryland. Um, that's really their only great win this year. Uh, maybe Texas, the Longhorns are starting to come along. But, um, you know, I, I was talking about that. Really, they have around 50-50 odds or better in their next eight games, including Nebraska on Saturday. Um, do you think there's any shot Michigan gets back into this Big Ten race? Or I, I guess they're sort of in it, but um, really makes a run? It, would, it wouldn't surprise me. And I know I kind of said that with a little bit of hesitation because I looked at Michigan would be a top five. And I even kind of – I remember people even laughing at me a little bit about that. You know, some of my friends, really, they're going to – you think Michigan's good enough to uh, finish in the top third in the league, you know, number four, number five? Absolutely. The, Michigan is tricky. And I think – when you shoot the three-pointer like Michigan shoots the three-pointer and defends the three-pointer like Michigan defends the three-pointer, those are real good recipes for going on runs because at that point you have it open up where you have the long ball as a threat and then you're taking it away from your opponent. So you get ahead. You, you see where I'm going with this? You build a little lead, lead there, and the other team's incapable of battling back because when you're trying to fight a large deficit, you've got to be able to shoot the three-pointer to kind of cut down on the amount of possessions. Michigan is doing that pretty well. I think that's that's one thing that you really have to look at what the Wolverines do and what's going to be an advantage. I, I do think that they have enough. And I'll say this, because Zach Irvin, is, you were there as well um, the other night that went over uh, Minnesota, and yeah, it's Minnesota, and yeah, it's at home. But Zach, Zach Irvin, if he has another one of those kind of nights, that I mean, he looked like he was going to go for 27-28. He finished at 19, kind of stalled out. But I think he's had 11 or 12 rebounds. Um, you know, he, he played very well. That's, that's the kind of stuff that, that makes me believe, okay, Michigan does have something in the tank. Mark Donnell, he kind of has plateaued a little bit but he's still playing a lot better. And I think that was a question mark coming into the season. Is Michigan, what's Michigan going to get out of its front court? Is Mark Dunnell or, or Ricky Doyle going to be a guy who really does something? And I think Mark Dunnell is really earning his keep. I mean, he's keep, Mo Wagner's had, uh, you know, some quality shifts. He's still learning. But one of the main reasons Mo's not getting a ton of playing time is because Mark Dunnell is absorbing all the minutes. I think I don't know if Michigan is a team that we can say is a definite contender to win the win the regular season, but it, it already beat Maryland, as you mentioned, and that that was a home game, but it's still a win and the favorable favorable schedule, and then you also have the Duncan Robinson factor, and like I just mentioned, that, that three point that's really what kind of draws me to Michigan because those are qualities in a team that's able to build a lead, and a lot of times those leads can pile up when you're shooting threes, and then you defend the three well. So that kind of takes away the other team's ability to dig itself out of the hole. So that's that's what I like about Michigan. And and yeah, do you if we're look if you want to compare and contrast, Michigan right now I think has a better chance of contending for a Big Ten championship than Michigan State does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I, you know I I was saying it earlier. You know it's it's a, it's incredibly unlikely that Michigan wins its next eight games, but. Uh, not improbable when you actually look through the schedule. Um, and with that, I, I think they do have a shot. But, you know, obviously I, I think the team that everyone agrees is probably the favorite right now is Iowa. Um, the Hawkeyes, they're 6-0 in the conference. Uh, they had a, a sort of tricky game against Rutgers, surprisingly, on Thursday. But um, last week 
They beat Michigan State on the road, and then they beat Michigan. Um, you know, as I said, you cover Michigan, Michigan State. You have a chance to see the Hawkeyes a couple of times this year. Uh, what do you make of Iowa? I I was I was the real deal, and I and I think it, I I did not look at Iowa as a uh, as a as a true threat. I thought that Iowa was a team that would probably be there like in that top third, number four, number five in there with Michigan. Uh, to be honest with you, Jared. I mean, Jared Utah. Maybe that's, I haven't seen enough of Iowa, but the way the Hawkeyes beat up on Michigan State um, at the Breslin Center that that really impressed me. And, and Peter Jock. I mean, who the hell is Peter Jack? You know, no, who was talking about this kid? Um, I've, I always got weaponry. And, you know, you got to like uh, Mike Gazelle. Um, you got to – you really you really got to like, or maybe not like, but Adam Woodbury. I mean, he's got – he's not the most athletic guy around. Uh, his style of play can is not pretty to watch. But when you got a guy who does that, and I think that's what Michigan and Michigan State both lack, uh, to be truthful here, is, is somebody who who can muck it up like that. I mean, that's that's Adam Woodbury's job is to make other teams uncomfortable, get ugly points. You know, he's not he's not a guy who's gonna, um, you know, you want you want the style, you want the technique. Look over to Utah. It's not Adam Woodbury, but he, his role uh, is what it is, and he plays it effectively, and. That I mean, Iowa, Iowa, or Maryland, and you know maybe best case scenario if Michigan doesn't isn't able to contend. I mean best case scenario, and you mentioned those odds, it lands in the top two or three. But yeah, I think one, one and two, um, Maryland, Iowa. I don't really know what to make of Purdue right now. I, I do I still like the Boilers, but from based on what I've seen, I, I would definitely say it's Iowa, Maryland. All right. Well. Um... Before we let you go here, um, again, huge game on Saturday. I'm sure you'll be there for uh, Maryland at Michigan State. Um, what do you make of this game, and do you, do you have an early prediction? It, it's must win. It's a must must win. Uh, you know, we've already talked about the conference race and the 13-5 and five, uh, mark. You have the five losses right now. It's, it's incredibly hard, incredibly hard. Um, I, I do think Maryland wins this game. I really do. I, I don't know. Michigan Michigan State's, Michigan State's banged up a little bit. I'd, I'm really curious about the ability to stop Diamond Stone. Uh, Robert Carter Jr. has had some decent showings, you know, and, and obviously there's that mellow Trimble guy. Maryland, Maryland is the better team right now. Maryland is the healthier team, uh, but at the same time you look at what Michigan State done at the at the Breslin Center is I forgot his winning percentage already. I know it's you know eighty some percent. They don't lose at home that often. This is one of those type of streaks right now I think the Michigan State's going through where Maryland can come in and win this game. Um with that said I, I do believe it'll be close but I, I have to lean on Maryland and I think it'll probably be you know some if I had to pick a score somewhere in the this 71 to 65 range. I do think it. You know, it's not going to be one of those grinders. You know, uh, 55 to 47 or something like that. I do think there'll be a little bit of offense, but I, I like Maryland. You know, by by a couple possessions in this game. Yeah, I, I think it should be a great game and plenty of star power and and plenty of guys that rest assured they will be in the <laughs> the NBA next year. But uh, 
Adam, thanks, thanks for joining us. Uh, you have any final thoughts on the the Big Ten college basketball? I guess before uh, before we let you go. I mean, I know you're like me. I know your listeners are like me. I know the the Big Ten powerhouse writers. You know, we all you know live and eat, breathe this stuff. Exciting season so far. It really is, and I've and you know for the people who are into Michigan and Michigan State, like I mentioned, Michigan basketball. A lot to like Michigan State basketball. Um, a lot to like, but there's a lot to fix. So that's that's kind of that's kind of the way that I'm I'm looking at it. But as far as what we've seen so far this year, um, I, there are no complaints. I mean, it's it's been a great Big Ten season so far. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. But uh, Adam, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Uh, everyone, just as a reminder, that, that was uh, Adam Biggers of Today's You. Uh, you can check him out. I think he's Adam Biggers at, uh, 81, I want to say. Um, yep, Adam Biggers 81 on Twitter. Uh, a lot of great stuff if you're a Michigan, Michigan State fan, um, or even just a general Big Ten fan. Uh, a lot of good stuff from him. But, um, yeah, just a, a few final thoughts on the Big Ten here before we, we end the old podcast this week. <laughs> um one of the one of the big things that that happened last uh weekend um and earlier this week that I did want to talk about uh was for Northwestern um I hate to rag on them I feel like I've been ragging on them in these podcasts all year but um they you know we talked about sort of or I should say I talked about last week that uh this is a crucial time for Northwestern they needed to pick up some wins to help the RPI um, and to make a potential NCAA tournament run. Um, unfortunately, they lose at Penn State at home, and then they go on the road and, and lose a tight one to Maryland in overtime. But right now, Northwestern, they are 15-5, and five, but just 3-4 and four in the Big Ten. They still really don't have a huge win on the year. Um, I guess that Nebraska win is starting to <laughs> starting to look a little better, I guess. Um, and the Wisconsin win definitely looks decent. But still without a marquee win, and their RPI is still pretty underwhelming um, overall. Uh, let's pull up the number here for their exact RPI. But, but my, big, my big takeaway is um, I wrote a article about this last weekend. Um, you can check it out. I, I think I tweeted it out um, earlier this week. But – it was titled essentially Northwestern's house of cards comes tumbling down, you know, after they lost to Penn state. And I hate to do that because again, it kind of comes off as a shot uh, against Northwestern, which I'm not trying to do, but, um, but really that, that was the big point I have been trying to make all year is that, you know, Northwestern had this really nice record. Uh, they were playing well, but they really weren't beating any decent teams. And I know that's, uh, tough to say um and people may not like to hear it but um it's the truth uh they didn't have a lot of great wins um they were just sort of padding their record and the thing is is uh you know we talked we actually talked about this last summer when they released the schedule but i said one of the biggest problems with it is it puts so much pressure on big 10 play it essentially means you can you have to have error free big 10 play or you have to start you know knocking off top end teams when you play them. And the thing is, is this Northwestern team probably isn't good enough to knock off top teams, especially not consistently. Um, so the thing is, is what it means is you cannot lose to any 
underwhelming team in conference play and you know especially during non-conference play and so lose to Penn State was just to me it was the death blow for the NCAA tournament they still have an outside shot but the schedule is very tough coming up um they get Indiana on Saturday as I mentioned and then they get Michigan State at home um and then Iowa on the road so I mean they're going to have to start winning games. They're going to have to start knocking off these types of teams to have any shot. Um, and frankly, I, I think the the train has passed, and I, I don't think the the Wildcats are, are set up for the tournament this year. But having said that, um, I do think they still have a really solid shot to make the NIT. They are going to have to uh, knock off some quality wins here over the next couple of weeks. But I think they're a safe bet for the NIT, which I think will be a relatively successful year for this program. Um, I, again, I know that may not be the most exciting thing for Northwestern fans to hear, but, um, you know, I, I said the same with Nebraska. That's, that's not going to get your fan base excited, but, um, you know, the truth is, is that for a program that hasn't made that type of run recently, you know, that's a big, a big appearance. And I do think they're a safe bet for the NIT, um, but huge loss last Saturday. I know a ton of people aren't talking about it anymore, but it really did kind of shake the way the the Big Ten sits. Um, and just to clarify, Northwestern, they're 111 in RPI right now. Uh, that's the number I wanted to pull up. But usually to have a, a solid shot at the tournament, you, you really have to be 50-ish or, or higher. Um, you know, sometimes you can be lower if, if things fall right, but 111 clearly way outside of that. And you're going to have to just start winning and winning and beating quality teams to to have any shot to get even close to that range. So I think, unfortunately, it is going to be a, uh, an NIT year for the, for the Wildcats, but, but we'll kind of see. But with that, um, I don't think our uh, Robert O'Neill could make it. Um, he usually talks about our, our national college basketball scene. But, um, but with that, we're going to have a little bit of a, a shorter podcast. I think, uh, well, yeah, a little bit shorter podcast than normal this week. But um, thanks, for everyone, for checking us out. Great week of action. Um, make sure to check out the site. We have a ton of great content uh, coming up over, over the weekend. So thanks again. My name is Thomas Bendit. You can check me out on Twitter at T Bendit. Um, and we'll see you all next time.